Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time, that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois out what we call lovingly the corn patch, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service. And we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity, again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprophet.com. That's cradle at jewishprophet.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that... Mark was talking about, and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call, 618-262-2810, and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. We're going to start the series that I uh, promised that I'd start after uh, we got done with the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the purpose of temptation. And we are going to cover, in the next eight or nine weeks, some very, very important and in-depth study that will be invaluable to you in your walk with Jesus Christ. In order for you to know the Lord God, 
you have to understand anyway somewhat the process in which he has to cause us to become Christ-like. You have to understand that process. Most people, when it comes to them being tempted, them being tempted, believe that it is something that, that, that is terrible. And we desperately need to get through to you, especially after coming out of that study about the fruit of the Spirit, of you understanding the refining, the pruning process which God does in each of our lives. Now, I want this morning to share with you uh, something that's happened to me over and over and over again uh, as a counselor, as a pastor, with people coming to talk to me and saying, uh, Brother Deckard, uh, all this is going on in my life. I don't understand why. Why would God be letting me go through this? I, don't, I just do not understand it. Well, before I guess I can tell that story, I need to tell the story about myself. When I sat in a pastor's office and counseled with him, and these words are all so familiar, because it seems to be that in our lives we only want to look at, and, and rightfully so, are the blessings of God. But we, again, need to know the process in which God blesses us. Amen? We need to understand that process. So I sat before this grand old man of God, and I began to go through the same, uh, the same almost word for word that, that I've heard years and years now later with people that come to counsel with me. And I said, but, but Pastor, I said, uh, what is the sense of me going through this? I said, it, I'm just going through this kind of hell. I said, I said uh, the devil, get off my back. And I said, that's it. And, that, and I, said, I said, I prayed to get off my back. I said, I've, I bound the devil. I've done everything I know to do. And the pastor looked at me with love, and he said these words. He said, Brother Deckard, he said, God can't use you the way you are now. Now listen closely to me. He said, Brother Deckard, God cannot use you the way you are now, the way he wants to use you. He said, I don't have any doubt in my heart that God has not given you an anointing that one day of a truth would raise the dead in the name of Jesus. But he said, Brother Deckard, he said, there is a refining, a purging process that has to happen in each of our lives. And he said, what you are going through isn't the hell that you're trying to make it out to be. It is a matter of fact, he said, Brother Deckard, if you can't come through this, God can't use you anyway. Now listen, I hope this is ringing some bells in your spirits this morning, because it needs to. Because again, again, to understand why I'm being tempted. Why does God... Now, God tempteth no man. You've got to understand that. But why does God permit, permit us to go through temptation? And this morning, uh, that's pretty well what we're going to cover. Uh, so again, I, this is something that, I, as a pastor, I've heard for a number of years... And I'm certain that this is going to be of a great help to you when you understand why this is going on in your life. We're going to start this morning in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Now, that's the 10th chapter of 1 Corinthians and the 13th verse. So if you'll turn there with me, please. If you've got pencil or pen and paper ready, we're going to get into quite a few notes today. And I'll try to go slow so we can get all that down because it's very important for you to have all this information. Now, if you have found 1 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, and the 13th verse, you are going to hear the Apostle Paul as he is uh, speaking these words. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now, the first thing you need to understand if you're taking notes, what you're going through isn't uh, something that has been brand new that no one else has ever gone through. All right? It's common to man. In other words, uh, everybody, people have gone through it for centuries and centuries and centuries in their own way. All right? The next statement is this. But God is faithful. And you, if you don't have that underlined, you need to underline that. But God is faithful. Now, he's talking about the temptation that you're going But God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. So now you have to understand this. We, as born-again Christians are on different levels growth-wise. There's none of us in this room. You may be uh, way up there, and I may be way down here and in the middle. and uh, We grow differently. You get out of it what you put into it, all right? But the fact of the matter is, because that we grow differently, 
we understand. Now, again, you've heard me say so many, many times in the months that we have been here already that it's so important that my place as a pastor is to be certain that you have a balance to this thing, that we don't get you out of balance way over here in the faith message, and we don't get you out of balance way over here in the casting out devil area, and we don't get you way out over here in the prosperity message, but we give you a balance, a balance, if you will, like a balanced meal or meals that you should have each and every day, that you don't just eat off of just one type of a uh, this or that. You need a balance of all that. Same thing uh, with the Word of God. And into understanding, because we all are different growths, then the temptations that come in our life have to be different. And you also need to make note that you cannot go to the local bookstore and buy a book and find out how brother or sister such and such came through their problems of finances, through their problems with marriage, through their problems with this, through their problems with that, and go try it out yourself and watch it work, because it won't. All right? And you need to know that. There's a lot of people trying to solve their temptation with somebody, a brother such and such's uh, key to getting out of that, that, out of that, that temptation, and that won't work. And you're going to understand that statement later on. Now, you may not now, but you will as we go through this study. But uh, as because, again, we're all at different those different levels, and those temptations come, okay, at different places. But the neat thing about it is that the Lord God, here through the Apostle Paul, is teaching us that we will not, uh, will not have any more of a temptation than we're able to handle. There is a key that you must get into your spirit man. That no matter what comes your way, it's not too much. You know, uh, we all, and I'm saying all of us, get ourselves in position to think what we're going through. Oh, this is the worst thing. You know, you look over the Smiths, and the Smiths aren't going through nothing like that. And the Joneses aren't going through all that. And then what do we get into? We get into a full-time pity party. Come on. God, I'm the only one that's ever gone through all this. Oh, poor old me. God, I'm telling you, this is terrible. Of course, we want to make sure everybody in the church knows what we're going through because, I mean, you know, I mean, pity's, pity's got to have a partner, I'll tell you for sure, if it's going to, if it's going to last. And you, and that's the reason we don't get a lot of counseling in that area because you don't get pity, you come to see me, you're going to get the word and hands laid on you is what you're going to get, see. Uh, we, uh, God does not do anything out of pity. He's already done it through His Word, amen? But why? Because He loved us first, and that's, that's the neat part of it. So you must understand, then, uh, as I had to tell so many saints, they come in and say, well, Brother Decker, this is so hard I'm going through. I said, well, praise God for it. Now listen closely. Praise God for what you're going through. Because if you're going through something that nobody else in the church is going through, and it's that hard and it's that difficult, then you've got to understand something. That God will not put more on you than you can handle. You must be in a place where God says, yes, they can handle that. Let them go through it. What is that doing? Well, uh, you, see, you, you don't see no fun in that, do we? Amen. There's no fun in that. Well, I'm going to show you. You're, you're going to end up before this thing's over understanding why Paul said, count it all joy. I can never understand that. I always thought Paul, you know, there's, Paul had a, a letdown or a mental lapse or something when he uh, counted all joy. Oh, bless God, how can you count it all joy when you're going through two kind of hell? How can that be joy? Because Christ is being formed in us, my brothers and sisters. Can you understand that? Can you? I hope you can get a hold of that. And we're going to touch it time and time back again. That because Christ is being formed in us. And that's the reason why that God cannot use us at the state that so many of us are in when we want to be used. So many of us know the right passages. So many of us pray the right prayer. So many of us speak the right heavenly language, it seems. But you understand you have to come to a point. You have to come to a place where God can use you. And, and, and you know, and I've heard, I know I've hurt feelings from time to time when I've made the statement that I made earlier. I said, well, you know, if you can't get through this, then God can't use you. God can't use you. You're no good to God if you can't get through this. You'll never minister to people if you can't. And ministers will come to me and they'll go, I said, well, if you can't get through what you're going through now, I said, dear God in heaven, how do you expect to help anybody else ever come through it? How can you, if you haven't been there, you're not going to help anybody else. You've heard me say many times and will hear me say many times. The effectiveness of ministry is that they have been there. 
They have walked in it. They understand it. To be effective, you've got to know, you've got to know the topic or the subject in which you're dealing with to some kind of extent. So anyway, you understand no matter what has come in your life, that you're not got any more than you can handle. You have to understand it. You have to understand also that God's law, God's Word is supreme. And it's settled in heaven. And what God says dictates, and if you will, rules the universes. The universes, the stars, the moon, the oceans, uh, in every world that there could ever be. He does that. Now, it goes on to say, but he said, but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So you see, no one ever gets taken, taken under in this stuff. No one ever gets taken under in this. In this. Now, I want to make another statement now for, for those of you that are taking notes. If you have noticed uh, through the years that the temptation that has come in your life uh, seems to go away and then it comes back again, the names and the faces... And the shapes may change, but the situation is always the same. If it's finances, you get on top of finances for a little while, and then all of a sudden, there we go. We're back down there looking at the same problem we had uh, six months ago. The same thing that we went through a year ago. It's right there. There it is. There it is. It may be a different, but it's still finances. can be health. can be problems in the family. All right? It can be, it, it, it can just go on and on and on and on and on, whatever, whatever. But it always seems to be, always seems, always seems, always seems, always seems. Now, let me give you the key to that. Those situations will cease to be once that you have been able to prove yourself unto the Lord God. As to being able to walk through that temptation or handling that temptation. And... In short, growing out of that place that you now live in. When the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change, you'll change. Can you understand that? You'll change. But until then, most of us, because we're carnal first, we want to uh, try the, uh, all the shortcuts. I, uh, I was a... Uh, I had most shortcuts, I thought, down in how to grow up in the Word of God without really growing up in the Word of God. And I could fool some people I was around by the talk, hmm? um, uh, but that's all I could do was just the talk. And I found out that there are no shortcuts, that there is a procedure in which God uses, a procedure that, bless God, honey, that will bring you to a place where you can move every mountain that comes in your life in the name of Jesus Christ. There's a procedure that comes. See, that gets away from this thing about faith. And, and you understand that I am a faith teacher. I'm a faith preacher. But I'm teaching you into some depth that you can begin to understand why people like me can move mountains in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not because, oh, there's such a... Just because I speak in other tongues and through the name of Jesus Christ and the anointing that's in my life works. Honey, that anointing in my life doesn't, didn't work like it does today until I had come through. I had come through the wilderness areas of my life to a point where God could say, yes, I now can use this vessel. I can now use this vessel. In order for us as vessels to be used by God, there has to be, again, that purging process, which we talked about uh, when we were studying the fruit of the Spirit. Now, some comments to go with this. If uh, I've got four here that I want to make and some more. Temptation serves an essential purpose in our lives. You need to write that down as number one. Temptation serves, it serves as an initial, or essential, I'm sorry, purpose in our lives. It's, a, it's there. It's as important to, for that as your body to have water to survive. All right? And you must get that into your spirit, man. We're going to get you past the place again of thinking, oh, the hell that I'm going through and understanding that the hell that you're going through is going to bring you to that place with God. Now, how many times can you go through the same temptation? I know saints that are 15, 20 years old in the Lord that are still going through the same stuff, the same thing, the same thing that they were going through 15, 20 years ago. 
filled with the Holy Ghost, still speaking the same heavenly language, still, bless God, dancing in the aisles, bless God, still going to church, having praise in God. So you understand that speaking in tongues, even prayer itself, all right, is not going to necessarily bring you into a place or bring you out of uh, the temptation that's in your life. Now, I will agree that, that it can help, but I'm not going to... When we get through this, you'll understand why that statement is that bold and, and how it does work. Now, number two, temptation shows us what we are and where we stand with God. Temptation shows us what we are and where we stand with God. And that's so important. That's in so, oh, so very important for you to know. That it shows us what we are and where we stand with God. The third thing is temptation plays an important role in what will we be in the future. And you need to underline that part, what we will be in the future. It plays an important role if we're going to be in the future. With God, with family, in the church, our church. But tempted after the 40 days and 40 nights that he fasted. And we, most of us are knowledgeable anyway as to how he handled that uh, was strictly by and through the Word of God. Now, the function of temptation is always to trigger a choice. Well, if I could plant that in your spirit and come out there right now and just, just I mean, just push this into your spirit, I, I'd do it for you. Just pray that you'll take it in and partake of it. The function of temptation is always to trigger a choice and provoke, and that's a strong word, a definite stand or action. It always does that. It's going to trigger a choice and provoke a definite stand or action. Choice. And we're going to get to some of the free choice, free will that the Lord God has given us plays such an important part in your temptation that you go through. It is your choice, all right? Now, you can choose to, to come through that temptation. You can choose to understand it. But now, my brothers and sisters, I, I, through teaching this previously, there, I, I've not run into anyone that's ever, and I don't understand, I'm not putting some standard in this area, okay? But you have to know, you have to know that through, that through your that decision into that area, that you're in this temptation, that decision is going to govern. Uh, that that decision is going to govern because you're going to have to take a definite stand or definite action in that situation, and it's going to govern the outcome. It's going to govern whether or not you're going to go through that temptation again one month from now, one week from now, one year from now, six months from now, three months from now, ten minutes from now. It is going to govern that, and you need to know that you. Uh, you need to understand. Say, I have the control of my destiny. And you do. You have the control of it. The devil doesn't. God doesn't. You have the control of it. And when you begin to understand that because that you have that type of control, you can cause this thing to be so much differently but you can't know because, again, it's the lack of knowledge that destroys God's people. It's the lack of knowledge. And we pray that you're going to receive knowledge through this. If your choice is right, you're blessed. If your choice is right, you're blessed. If your choice is wrong, well, <laughs> here we go. You know, here we go again. Uh, different church, huh? Same problem. I've had people come into this church and come to me and say, oh, Brother Decker, the church that I left, and here we go. And I can be very blunt and very forward about this because uh, I have told them these words. You'll find it no different here. That the mountain that you left beats you here, and it will beat you while you're here. And you'll go to the next church, and you'll have the same problem there that you got here. And you can go to the next church, and you'll have the same problem there that you had here or at that church. And it goes on, it goes on, it goes on. That's the reason, that's the reason that, that, that I try desperately to get people to understand that are serious about growing up in the Word of God that you are your biggest problem. I'm not your biggest problem. Your wife isn't your biggest problem. Your husband isn't your children. You are your biggest problem. 
It's not what somebody has said or done to you. You are your biggest problem. Why? Because you have control over your own destiny. You have the control over your own destiny. I know people that it is absolutely, um, when they don't understand temptation and something happens in their lives. I've seen people turn their face from God and not serve God another, another minute the rest of the days of their life. Because why? But they didn't understand it. They didn't understand that God is giving them an opportunity to walk in depths and heights with Him that most Christians, my brothers and sisters, will never attain. And the reason they'll never attain it is because they're never going to be taught into a depth where they can do that. And again, in order, you are a product of what you're being taught. And if you've never been in a church that teaches these kind of depths, you'll never understand them. And you'll, well, most people, most of you here today probably didn't know, even have any idea when this study's over that there was this much to going through temptation. Probably, probably had no idea at all. Now, our choice demonstrates where the lesson is learned or whether it must be, and you need to underline the word must be, must be repeated. Your choice demonstrates the, whether the lesson is learned or whether it must be repeated. Your choice, not my choice, okay? Your choice demonstrates that. And you're always making choices every day, all right? To blame my wrongdoing on temptation uh, in its own way is like uh, saying I wouldn't have got a ticket if the light hadn't turned red. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's how silly it is. We don't look at that very often like that, but it's the truth, you know, if you'll stop and think about it. And, you know, you get into one of those things if you're not careful, you know. Um, of course, I went through a syndrome of a time, a syndrome of saying, well, it was the, the, the devil, you know, it was the devil, devil caused this, the devil caused that, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. When I found out, when I truly found out, I knew all along that Jesus came and won the victory and gave it to me and to us. But you see, that's all I seem to know. I had some head knowledge about that, but I didn't have any heart knowledge of it. Let's turn to Romans, the fifth chapter. Romans five seventeen. For if by one man's offense, now I'm in Romans five seventeen. For if one man's by one man's offense, offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus has been called the second Adam in the Bible, scripturally being truth. Now, the first Adam came, and, well, we all know pretty well about the temptation that, that he and Eve went through, that they flunked. And thanks to their flunk in that temptation, hmm, thanks to what they have done, uh, we uh, have been the recipients uh, of the grade in which they received from God to that situation, which hasn't been a lot of fun. But uh, we understand that God uh, went through it again, didn't he? Only this time the second Adam, being Christ, came. And Christ was able to go through that temptation, temptations, if you will, in grand form. Adam could have, and you need to understand that, Adam could have done also the same. He could have rejected, he could have rejected the temptation and done right. He could have adhered unto the Word of God and not to have partaken of that tree in the midst of the garden. He chose. He chose to partake. And again, you need to get that in your spirit, man. Uh, he made a choice, all right? And the choice that he made, uh, bless God, uh, not only uh, hurt him and the lifestyle in which he was living then, but it also has uh, been passed down from generation to generation. But Christ came, straightened it all up spiritually uh, once again, and now we have what we have because of him. So what, uh, the reason I want you to see this is just because Adam messed it up, okay, God didn't say, well, that's it for eternity. No, he, he sent Jesus. Jesus came, went through, uh, said he was tempted, and every temptation as man is tempted. Well, you and I, he, you haven't been through anything that he hadn't, wasn't tempted with. And bless God, the problem of it is, we all think, well, you've got to sin a little bit, you know, to be, to be, I don't know, to be something. I'm not sure what. But uh, as a matter of fact, Christ, it says, never sin. Never sin. So uh, there is hope for us. Amen. Now, the Greek word for temptation means, and you need to write this down, 
The Greek word for temptation means that which puts us to the proof. That which puts us to the proof. Whether by good or malicious design. That which puts us to the proof, whether by good or malicious design. Now, get ready for this statement. Temptation is designed to bring out what is really in your heart. Okay? Temptation is designed to bring out what's really in your heart. And, and that, that may be, that may be right, cutting right down to the core of all of with that, with that statement. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. And when you go through these temptations, you, you get to, uh, you know, if you were in church this morning and, and maybe uh, that temptation would come, maybe you could handle it sitting here right now. Okay? I'm talking about a mind trip now. I'm talking about things that could come in your mind, which also uh, temptation. And you could handle that. But the fact of the matter is, you can't be in church all the time. And that's the reason, again, that the Word of God is so important for you to be able to get it into your spirit man, rooted deep enough into your spirit man, where it will work 24 hours a day, every day, and uh, then then you will see uh, progress being made in, in a grand fashion. But uh, again, it, uh, it really it's designed to bring out what's in your heart, so, so, so that you can understand. But what happens is this. Okay, let, let, let's, let's, let's use this one. You, you've been doing well. You, you lost your job, but you got a good job, all right? And you prayed about it, you fasted about it, and God, God, God gave you a good job. All right, now you had trouble keeping jobs in the past. Now all of a sudden now, the boss comes in, the boss comes in and he says, Okay, Joe, I'm laying you off. I'm sorry, we just it's not anything you've done wrong, but we're laying you off, and, and there you are. How are you going to handle that? How are you going to handle that? Are you, are you going to say, are you going to say, well... The devil stole my job. That's the end of that. And uh, poor me. And, and or are you going to say, praise God? God's got a better job for me. I must have got maybe I even got the wrong job here, or maybe God was waiting to get the other job lined up. But but now I got. I'm looking forward to the good job. See, that's contrary to the way most of us would think. Most of, most of us are going to think the devil stole the job. I want I want to tell you a story about about my youngest son, Bernie, when he was just about that tall. Taught me a lesson that I have never forgot and will never forget. We had gone out, and it was a day of about, it was humid, and it must have been 85 to 90 degrees. It was in the spring. We decided to go mushroom hunting, and, and then, boy, he couldn't wait to go. So we got there, and we went out through this big old woods, and I'm telling you, it was hot, and we were sweating. We'd went all the way through that woods. We were out there for almost an hour and 45 minutes, or maybe close to two hours. And we, here we came back, trudging back to the car. And we're coming back to the car, and all of a sudden he looks down, and there's a mushroom. He said, Dad, he said, we found a mushroom. And the boy he dug that thing up, he put it in his sack, and away we went. We got the car, and we, we rolled the windows down, and we started home. And I said, boy, I said, I'll tell you what. I said, that was really a deal. Went all through that woods and didn't find a mushroom. I said, wasted that all that time, went through that woods. He looked up at me and he said, well, Dad, he says, I don't know. He said, I think we did all right. He said, we found the only one in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. You see, you can take any situation in your life, any situation in your life, there's a choice. You can choose to make the best out of it, or you can choose to make the worst out of it. You have that choice. It's your attitude toward it that will change your life one way or the other. Change your life one way or the other. And that changed my life that day. I looked at him and I said, Son, if you can keep that attitude in life, you'll be all right. Because I said, I, I, I went home and I mar- it marveled me. I, no, older, no older than he is. I mean, not that, uh, some great revelation, but it was to me. I said, the attitude that he had and the attitude that I had, I had the wrong attitude. He found the only one in the woods. It was worth being out there for an hour and 45 minutes or two hours to find that only one in the woods. There's only one and he found it. Old Dad was disappointed because we didn't have a bag full of mushrooms. Huh? Yeah, that's the difference. 
Now, temptation is designed to prepare us to receive the promises. Boy, get that in your spirit. Okay? You have the capacity. Man has the capacity to receive what God has promised him. Temptation is designed to prepare us to receive all the promises. All the promises. The depth of this is very great. I realize that. But I also realize this, that it's time that the church moves out of, and I've said for years, it's time we move past the Holy Ghost goosebumps and we get down to learning and get down to understanding, get down to the place where we're more than, than just, just surviving, just getting along a day at a time, day at a time, day at a time. Well, honey, God can't get any glory out of you going around sick, broke, out of jobs, out of this, out of that, hanging on until sweet Jesus comes. God can't get any glory out of that. Now, God didn't intend for that to be happening. What God intends to be happening is, is you receiving all of His promises. And this book is full of promises. I'm going to tell you, I was big on promises, still am. And I used to, I used to go through that book, Marking in Promises. Oh, praise God, I, I, I accept this promise. Well, I didn't realize there was more to me just saying I accept that promise. I had to do something about that promise. Now, in Luke 1, 37, Luke 1, 37, most of us are familiar with this, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, if God has given to you, if God has given to you and I all the promises, then with God, nothing shall be impossible. Now, this is just a little different way of looking at this scripture than most of you have probably ever had the opportunity to look at it before. Then with God, all things shall be possible. Then he has to make a way to be able to introduce to, if you will, you all these promises. He has to make a way in order to do that. God chose. You didn't choose. If you and I would have chosen, we definitely would have not have chosen this, this means called temptation in order to give you and I the promises. That's what God chose. God chose temptation in order to give the promises, His promises, to His children. God chose that. God designed that. God has caused that and still causing that today uh, to work in the lives. Now, I'm going to show you back in Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter, if you'll turn back there with me. Because I want to show you that this isn't something that's, that's new. But I want to show you in the beginning how most people think that the promises don't have to be earned. I, it was very difficult for me when I found out that just because I was a Christian, filled with the Holy Ghost, that it wasn't an automatic shoe-in. And it, it was like I told uh, this, uh, what's now the, the pastor there in Harrisburg, uh, Perry Kuntz, and that church there. I told Perry, I said, I'm going to tell you something. I said, just because we're about to pour oil on you and lay hands on you for you to become the pastor of that new church down there does not automatically mean that that church is going to make it. It does not automatically mean that you are shoe-in uh, for that church to make it. And, and, and I spoke to him out of years of experience. Too many people get to thinking, especially with ministry, that I'm a preacher and I've got it made. God's going to bless me for the rest of the days of my life. No, if you think the devil's going to belly up just because you become a preacher, you just pull him out in left field. You, you, you done bought a bag of rocks and, and that's all there is to it. He's going to fight you tooth and nail. That's the reason I keep saying with ministry, if you don't get under good ministry and learn, devil eat you up. That, those temptations will come and you won't want to handle them. I, I, and I'm not standing here again bragging, but I'm going to tell you what, I, I'd be willing, I'd be willing, I'd be willing to suggest this morning that there probably isn't another church in Evansville, Indiana, has taught or may ever teach this type of depth to where you're teaching people why they're going through temptation and understanding to the depth that I'm going to take you to in the next few weeks of showing you how that it is a blessing designed of God 
And when you can learn to receive it and understand it like that, i got news for you. That's an area of your life you'll get balanced in real quick. But that's also an area in your life that can take you and keep pounding you and keep, keep you know, when you've got your mind on that temptation all the time, come on, you can't serve God in any capacity. See, there, and that's another place that, that, that God's taking you. You found the sixth chapter of uh, Deuteronomy. Let's start in the third verse. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently, understand the word diligently, unto thy children carefully. Teach these, teach these carefully to your children. And shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them uh, for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gate. And it shall be, when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou uh, fillest not, and wells digged which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full. Now, he's saying they're going to bring you in there. You're not going to have to build the houses. You're not going to plant the vineyards. You're not going to have to plant the olive trees. You're not going to have to... You know, he's going to give you goodly cities. God says, I'm going to take you into that land and I'm going to give you those cities. All right? Now, it goes on to say here, Then beware, lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Uh, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, and serve him, and shall swear by his name. Ye shall not go after other gods, or the gods of the people which are round about you. For the Lord thy God is a jealous God among you. Lest the anger of the Lord thy God be kindled against thee, and destroy thee from off the face of this earth. Now, understanding that you and I... Uh, uh, well, look at the 18th, down to the 18th verse. And thou shalt do that which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, and it may be well with thee that thou mayest go in and possess the good land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to cast out all thine enemies uh, from before thee as the Lord has spoken. Now there is again the, the problem that, that lies with that, that it did not work as a, as a shoe-in, if you will, and I, I use that word a lot, for the children of Israel. God had already said, I give you the land of milk and honey. He had already given it to them. But what he was trying to do here, convey to them that they may never have that land of milk and honey. That, again, they had a choice to make. They had, a, they had to do certain things according, certain, certain things. They had to do all things according to the word, the law of God. They had to do exactly what God told them to do, or they weren't going to receive that. They, 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 they weren't going to receive that. Now, you and I, through that and many, many other passages, and I just chose that one, have to come to a place of understanding, again, that just because you're a Christian does not mean that you're just an automatic shoe-in uh, for whatever comes in your life. In other words, you know, I, I think I shared with you, I'm sure I have, that when I first got saved, uh, I was told that everything would be fine. I just everything would be going wonderful. Now I saved. Well, it didn't. And then I found out. Well, I, they told me, said, well, what you got to have is the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues. Then everything will be all right. And I did, and it didn't. All right. And I go back and I said, hey, this thing isn't what it's all cracked up to be. And I'm sure today that that's got a lot to do with the way that I teach and the way I preach. Because the fact that I finally got to the point of saying to the Lord God, I said, God, if this thing is a lie, I ain't got time for it. 
I don't have time for it. I don't have time to come down here week after week after week and stand here behind this pulpit and minister the Word of God if it's not real. If I can't teach you what this Bible says to be truth and it work in your life, there's something wrong somewhere. That's where I come to. It wasn't working in my life. And I wasn't working in it. And I, and I, I was tired of it. I was tired of being broke. I was tired of being poor. I was tired, tired of being sick. I was tired of being this. I was tired of being that. And I said, God, if it works, I want to know how. And if it doesn't work, I'm going fishing, and you can have it. I'll take my stripes on that day. Because I'm not going to go across the country, across town, to stand in my living room and minister a gospel that doesn't work. And I said, this thing either works or it doesn't work. And I hadn't been in a church to that point to ever see it work. Like I said, I was in a lot of churches. They had a lot of preachers that did a lot of jumping up and down, a lot of yelling, a lot of sweet-sounding words that they used about how God did this and God did that. We never see God do anything. It's nice to hear, but you can't, you can't live. You can't live off of somebody just standing there speaking nice words. You've got to be taught the Word. It's got to get into your spirit, from your mind to your spirit, all right? Now, in Isaiah 119, and of course, if you'll remember, in that 91st Psalm, I'm always uh, getting myself in trouble there. Most people think that they abide under the shadow of the Almighty just because they get saved. You read carefully down through there, you'll, you'll find something out real quick that you don't, unless you're abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. Unless you are, uh, as Jesus said, abide in me, and I'll abide in you. And that's the only way that's going to work. Now, in that 19th verse of Isaiah 1, it says here, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. You've got to be both. You've got to be willing and obedient. I think I've done a message here, evangelistic-wise anyway, uh, concerning that, that Scripture. You have to be willing and obedient. We have to do certain things before we receive the promise. You need to write that down. You need to put Isaiah 119 and right beside of it, you have to put, we have to do certain things before we receive the promise. Israel had to do certain things before they uh, received those houses, those vineyards, those olive trees. Uh-huh. They had to do certain things. And they had to do just what God told them to do. And you're hearing me say many times, do precisely what the Word says to do. It won't work unless you try to mix a different... If you try to put what the Word says, and they say, well, let's see. Now, let's take this out and let's add this over here. No, that won't work. You've got to do exactly what the Word says. It's the ingredient for success. Now, we know in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth on Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that. Or most of us do, or we all should. Salvation is free, but we still have to, have to choose to believe to have it, don't we? Still, you have to choose to believe to have it. I look at that as, as, a, as a, uh, the greatest temptation to mankind. The greatest temptation to mankind is, is there anything to Jesus Christ being the Son of the living God? Is there anything to Him dying and being raised from the dead on the third, on the third day and sitting at the right-hand side of the Father making intercession? Is there anything to that? Huh? There it is, world. That's, that's the temptation. You make the choice. You make the choice. Your choice is either going to give you eternal life or you're going to burn in hell. That's, a, that's quite a thing when you stop and think about it. But you see, there it is. Again, choice. The Lord God gave us choice. He is not going to violate. That's the, reason, that's the reason people get praying when they're going through these temptations. Oh, God, take me out of this temptation. Oh, God, give me a million dollars or let me win the lottery, whichever comes first. Huh? And all my troubles will be over, God, if, if that would happen. Honey, your, your troubles wouldn't be over if that happened. Mm-mm. No, wouldn't be, wouldn't be over at all. You would still have to come through that temptation. You'd have to come through it in shining colors and not... not, not see, the, there is no shoe in, see? Choice, choice, choice. That's the reason people that, that fight temptation and don't understand the principles behind it they're praying, God, just take me out of it. God's not going to take you out of that temptation. You're going to bring yourself out of that temptation by being willing and obedient to Him. And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to do that, 
Yeah, I'm going to tell you something. You, you'll be going through that same temptation until Jesus Christ comes. You'll be going through the same one. There is no time limit. God doesn't say, well, I feel sorry for old Jonesy. I believe he's gone through this now 28 times. Well, boys, when he gets 30, let him pass on from that temptation. No, he can go through it 28 more times. Okay? He can go through it 128 times. It doesn't make any difference. He's going to get it right, or he is not going to come. Now listen, the Bible talks about coming from glory to glory. He's not going to pass from that area to the next area. He's not going to pass there. There is in the Spirit a divider, if you will. There is a wall, if you will. Have you ever been, have you ever got to the place where you knew that you were so close to walking into a new place with God you could touch it, but yet you couldn't get in there? Have you ever been there? I have. And that, that line, that, that spiritual wall that's there will only come down when you come through the temptation that's in your life. It'll go down, you walk in, and you're going, how did I get here? How did this all change like this? How, how did it all, and most of us, well, some of us never, never know. Some of us never understand. Some of us just, just haphazardly do, do it right, do it right by the Word, not knowing that there's going to be another temptation come down the road, Hmm? Now listen to this statement. If you can't handle what you got, honey, you can't make that one over there. You hear me? If you can't handle the temptation in your life right where it's at now, don't worry about going on with God because, you see, this is of a lesser degree than this one is over here. Say, oh, dear God, Pastor Tom, what are you trying to say? Now let me give you the rest of it. Let me, as Paul Harvey says, and now the rest of the story. The fact of the matter is, with that temptation, you grow. And when you get to a place, after two or three rounds of understanding this thing, i got news for you. You're just like hurling them things. You'll just step right on over. Huh? You'll learn the principle behind it. Then things get tougher, but they get easier. Now try that one on for size. They get tougher, but they get easier. Why? Because I have understood and know how to handle it. And that's the only difference. The only difference. People say, well, oh, how do you do that? I just learned how to handle it. I learned that I'm about my father's business. I don't have time. I don't have time for, for, for troubles. I don't have time for sickness. I don't have time for financial whatever it is. I'm about the father's business. I put them on Jesus' back. He says, I'll take them, give them to me. I said, they're yours. I learned to leave them there. I learned to leave them there. Come what may, I say, hey, you, <laughs> one, time, one time a bill collector called me. Now, I'm not saying this is what you ought to do, okay? But he called me and I said, he said, about that payment, I said, I gave it to Jesus. I said, he's got, he's got all my bills. I said, uh, you'll, you'll get your money. He said, well, that's fine, but he said, just about when will I get it? I said, I don't know, but I said, you'll, you'll, you'll get it. I said, you'll have it on time. About a week went by and he called me back. He got the money. We'd, we'd, send him the, we'd send him a check. Called me back and he said, well, he said, I guess Jesus was on time. I said, he's on time every time. Now he's taking care of my bills. He knows how to handle them. I didn't know how to handle them. See, I said, I put them all on him. Now don't try to, don't try to, don't try to play in that area of faith if you don't know what you're doing. Okay, because <laughs> you, you get burned, I'll tell you for sure. Huh? You, you want to be careful. You want to be careful what you're doing there, but, but, but it will work. In John 15... In John 15, the Lord desperately wants you to understand this. And like I said, we're, we're just laying some foundation this week, and it's going to get sweeter and sweeter. John uh, 15, 5, 6, and 7. said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. That's where a lot of people miss it. A lot of people out here trying to do it on their own. Hmm? He, without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, this will happen now. Now the reason I want to use this because we just got off of this with the through the Spirit, but uh, 
uh, I want you to understand that this will happen. See, most of us just read the seventh verse. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, then we don't really, uh, we kind of skip over that part. The part we see is, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. And we get all excited about that part. But understand, that part's contingent upon the five, uh, five and six and, and the first part of seven. In other words, you have to meet the conditions in order for the latter part of that seven to be able to do that. You have to meet the conditions. You have to meet those conditions. You have to abide in Jesus and His words abide in you. It has to be that way, and in any other way it won't work. And there again, that's where a lot of us, uh, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, get things a little backwards because we get to thinking, we get to thinking that, bless God, that it, that it will work just because we've made so many meetings, just because we've been to the right meeting, or just because we've read the right book. And that's got nothing to do with it at all. Nothing to do with it whatsoever. Now, in John 6, 28 and 29, 28 and 29, Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? I've asked that question once or twice myself. Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God that you believe on him whom he hath sent. Now, we must stop trying. We must stop trying uh, to do it ourselves and let him, Jesus, work through us. We must quit trying to do it ourselves. And let Jesus work through us. Let Jesus work through us. Jesus wants to work through each and every one of us. When you get to trying to do it on your own, you're going to make a mess out of it. You're going to make a mess out of it. When you let Jesus work through you, the end of the situation, uh, He will do what? See, the, the Holy Spirit sent to guide you, sent to teach you into all truth. The Holy Spirit, all right? But the most of us go off half-cocked, and we decide we're going to do this thing ourselves and on our own, and we get everything in a mess, right? It's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Well, let's go to Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4. And in the book of Hebrews, the fourth chapter, starting in the very first verse. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, Entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Well, now there's a lot of us uh, that have uh, come short of that. Entering into his rest. Entering into that place with the Lord God. And that's what Paul is saying here. He says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come uh, short of it. A lot of Christians seem to fall short of that. That they haven't quite, quite come into that. Listen, for unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. And there's where the problem is. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall not enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spake of a certain place, and the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place, again, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it is, was first preached enter not in because of unbelief. And that's what gets you in trouble. Again, he limited a certain day, saying to David, In David today, after so long a time, as he said today, if you will hear the voice uh, hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would not have he not afterward have spoken of another day. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God, for he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works, as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. Now, let us labor, let us desire. The word labor is desire. But uh, also you can understand that if we're going to uh, use that word labor, and we can here, it'll be all right, is to study to show yourselves approved. And that's what you need to do. You need, you need to be able to enter into that. Now, 
Uh, of course, I know there's doctrine that uh, gets way in different directions, and this about uh, this thing rest with Christ. But we're talking about uh, we're talking about spiritually. All right, uh, you can do whatever you need to do uh, physically, but we're talking about spiritually. Therefore, therefore, uh, that tenth verse: For he that entereth into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. You have to learn to cease from your own works. Your own works, because you see, then that goes back to some things that we're going to get heavily into here later on. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 